You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers Thursday evening edition. If you are listening mornings, you might catch this on your way to work Friday morning. Welcome to the show. If you're new to the program, I am your host, Brian Peacock, football analyst, You may have seen some of my work, some of it unnamed, writing blurbs, fantasy football and baseball blurbs at Roto-Wire, pro football focus analyst, former terrestrial radio guy, but now I am all in in the podcast game. Not only can you find me here talking about the 49ers daily, you can listen to my NFL podcast with Matt Williamson, former NFL and college scout ESPN scribe, now writing for Pro Football Network, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show daily right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where the questions will come from in segment three of this program. You can also email the show, LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Uh, There are some folks out there that are tired of hearing about quarterbacks, so we're not going to talk quarterbacks, at least for the first couple of segments. And look, hit me with questions that are non-quarterback related, because uh, I have no control over the questions you guys bring in. So we'll see if some of those are quarterback related in segment three when I dip into the mailbag. But at BD Peacock, if you don't want to hear about quarterbacks, you want to change the conversation, bring me some good questions there. We can go off topic or we can talk other spots on the roster like the defensive line which we will get into today getting back to our season grades for 2020 and the plan to improve in 2021 but before we get to the biggins up front on defense the 49ers released their official assistant coaching changes this year we already know the big ones robert soligon he's in new york taking his place as D'Amico ryan's as defensive coordinator mike mcdaniel getting a little bump to quote-unquote offensive coordinator, even though Kyle Shanahan will still be calling the plays. But the 49ers have added Rich Scangarello back. Welcome back, Rich. He is the quarterback's coach once again for the 49ers. A new offensive line coach, Chris Forster. You might have remembered him from the cocaine scandal a few years back. Uh, If you haven't seen that one, it's an interesting one. Go check it out. But apparently he's um, got his... Stuff back together, his life back together, things are going well, and he is the offensive line coach. He's always been a good coach. Uh, offensive line coach now for the 49ers. He was the assistant offensive line coach for a while, and the 49ers were really quiet about bringing him into the organization a couple of years ago, and everyone's like, oh, Chris Forrester, that Chris Forrester, he's the assistant offensive line coach. Okay, well, now that John Benton's moved on, he is officially the offensive line coach. Leonard Hankerson, making me feel old. He's joined the coaching ranks now. Former University of Miami wide receiver. I believe he was teammates under Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan with Pierre Garçon at wide receiver in Washington for a time. Leonard Hankerson is an offensive quality control coach. Butch Berry, solid name, is the new assistant offensive line coach taking care of Forrester who bumped up to the main OL coach. James Betcher has been around the league for a while. He's now the senior defensive assistant and run game specialist. Andrew Hayes Stoker, defensive quality control. Matthew Harper, assistant special teams coach. Johnny Holland sticking around and now becomes linebackers coach with D'Amico Ryans moving on to defensive coordinator. Gary Kubiak's kid, Clay Kubiak, 
defensive quality control coach. I believe Clay's brother, Clint Kubiak, is now the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. Did I get that right? Um, yeah, all the Kubiak kids have the first name which starts with the letter K. So that's how you know it's one of the Kubiaks, one of those Kubiaks. August Mangin, special teams, quality control. A lot of new quality control guys. That's the entry point into coaching in the NFL. Rob Sala, Kyle Shanahan, both started out quality control coaches. So don't scoff at those guys. Those are some big names we might hear a lot more about in the NFL in the future. Daryl Tapp, former Virginia Tech pass rusher, NFL undersized uh, pass rusher. He is assistant defensive line coach. Corey Undlin comes over from, I believe, Indianapolis Colts, is now defensive pass game specialist and secondary coach. And uh, let's see, missing one here. Bobby Slowick has a new title, and that is offensive passing game specialists so gone are the run game pass game coordinator positions now there's offensive passing game special specialist which is bobby slowick underneath offensive coordinator in title mike mcdaniel so those are the assistant coaches in 2021 there will probably be some others but uh, that's the main hires that are now happening for the san francisco 49ers under head coach kyle Shanahan. What difference will the coaching shakeups make this year? I don't know. Uh, that that's a hard one. I I do not know. Uh, if that's a great staff, it's a, if it's a bad staff, how that staff will be. That's going to be one of the big question marks this year. Is how things are going to change offensively. Don't think much will change at all. But defensively, new defensive coordinator and a lot of new assistants there. We'll see how things take shape on the defensive side of the ball under D'Amico Ryan's. I'm excited to see how that comes together. And a big factor of that will be Nick Bosa, who really gets an incomplete grade for his 2020 season, had five pressures over the course of a week plus before his ACL injury sidelined him for the rest of the season. And according to Matt Barrows this week, he spoke with the surgeon who reconstructed Nick Bosa's ACL and Solomon Thomas's. And Barrows said that he learned three things from that surgeon. One, they suffered more than just run-of-the-mill ACL injuries. Two, they're both ahead of schedule on their recoveries, which is great news. And three, that they are in very good hands. So that's a great sign. Solomon Thomas obviously going to be a free agent right now, but Nick Bosa is going to be a major part of the 49ers getting back to the playoffs next year. Or potentially a trade chip for Deshaun Watson. Sorry, no, I, I'm not going to get into that right now, even though Mac, Matt Mayoko really stoked the fire of that today on Twitter, saying that uh, he said even, which is pretty much what I had been saying all along, that you know that sort of a quarterback is more valuable than Bosa. So if that's the only way you get someone like that, that that's something you would have to consider. And a lot of people thought, oh no, Matt Mayoko, is he, does he know something? Is something about to go down? And he said, no, that is that is not the case. He was just uh, having a philosophical roster discussion. A trade is not coming that he knows of that would bring Deshaun Watson to San Francisco and send Nick Bosa to Houston. That is not happening. Let's talk about the rest of these defensive linemen with the San Francisco 49ers and how they played in 2020, who should come back, who to spend the resources on for the free agents, and what to expect in 2021 defensive line grades coming up. It's wintertime, which means some bad weather, and which means road conditions 
are not ideal. Make sure that vehicle you were driving all summer long is still ready to roll for anything that might come its way all winter long. You can find everything you need. Tires, wiper blades at rockauto.com. Keep your car on the road. Keep your car and family safe. If you need accessories for your vehicle, if you need anything at all involving your vehicle, it is such an amazing selection at rockauto.com and their prices are always reliably low. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com with a unique catalog, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. You know, it's actually pretty amazing what the 49ers were able to do up front on defense, missing their team captain from a year ago in DeForest Buckner, their best player in Nick Bosa for all but one plus games, D Ford not involved all season long. The only main contributor they had back was Eric Armstead that played a full season. DJ Jones was in there, played 14 games, but missed time in some other games throughout the season. And they had to lean on guys like Kerry Hyder and Dion Jordan and Jordan Willis and a rookie in Javon Kinlaw. And they still played really well on defense. So that's why Robert Sala is head coaching and he's on another team and in another organization now because that's the kind of job he did there. It's pretty fantastic to see what the 49ers were able to do on defense and overcome some of those things. So how did the guys that played actually do? Kerry Hyder, for you're grading on a curve here because he wasn't an A player, but you have to give him an A for what he was able to do, leading the 49ers in eight and a, with eight and a half sacks. Kerry Hyder Jr. was the only... 49er with more than three and a half sacks on the year. Not only led the team in sacks, led the team in total pressures with 55, according to Pro Football Focus, led the team in quarterback hits with 10, led the team in quarterback hurries with 36. Now, the grades weren't all that fantastic for most of the 49ers players on the defensive line, but they did enough to get the job done. So that was really impressive. And I think the player that was hurt most by all those losses, especially statistically, was Eric Armstead. And it's one of the reasons why I said on draft day that the 49ers' needs might be more at edge than it is on the interior of their defensive line because I thought they had enough tweeter guys to come in and rush from the interior, and I thought Eric Armstead would benefit from being you know, 50-50, half outside, half inside player, half edge, half interior rusher, in 2019 to being more of a, you know, 70-30, be inside more often and play more defensive tackle with DeForest Buckner gone. And instead, it was quite the opposite. He played almost completely outside because DeForest Buckner was gone and Nick Bosa got hurt and DeFord stayed hurt. So Eric Armstead, in my opinion, playing a little bit out of position as a full-time defensive end. Need him rushing from the inside, and I think that's why we're going to see the 49ers either draft or spend some money in free agency on a defensive end to replace D. Ford. So at least on those passing downs, those 
third down rushes, you have Eric Armstead inside more often next to the rookie in Javon Kinlaw. Now, Eric Armstead only had three and a half sacks on the year, but he was still second on the 49ers in all those categories I just mentioned. Uh, second in, in uh, total pressures with 41. Nobody had more. Nobody else had 20 pressures on the 49ers defensive line after Kerry Hyder had 55 and Eric Armstead had 41 total pressures. So that tells you, uh, even though maybe the numbers weren't huge for Eric Armstead, he did have an impact and he did play pretty well. You can argue about his contract, what that's going to look like in a couple of years or next year even, but Eric Armstead's still a good player, even though he's not a star. And I'm going to give him a B-minus grade to reflect that. And I think maybe last year he would get a B-plus grade. So I don't think he was that far off from just the style of player he is and who he was. He just benefited a lot from, first of all, getting to rush from the inside more often and having so much talent around him in Ford and Bosa and Buckner, which obviously is going to help your numbers and, and give you fewer blockers in front of you and, and a better opportunity to go get the quarterback and collect sacks and do some of those things and make more splashes. And he was a really good run defender. In a lot of ways, he's the defensive version of Mike McGlinchey on offense, gets some heat from fans because he's a first-round guy and because he makes a lot of money and because you want your first-round fancy player to be really great at everything. And sort of like McGlinchey on offense is a much better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. Eric Armstead, similarly, as a defensive end, is a much better run defender than he is a pass defender. And he had one of the top grades there. Nick Bosa doesn't really count because he only played uh, that one game. So after Nick Bosa, he had the best run defense grade on the 49ers defensive line last year. And as a pass rusher, again, as I mentioned on the edge, he, he doesn't have a ton of juice, but uh, on the end, but he can set the edge against the run. And that's really important. And he does make some big plays that way and make some plays behind the line of scrimmage and, and makes a lot of stops in that regard. But as a pass rusher, he needs to be inside to, for you to see his full value, I think as a player and see that versatility come through where he can give you really strong run defense downs on the outside and really strong pass rushing downs on the interior. And he's Walter Payton man of the year candidate. So I think you have to give him a half a grade bump for that. At least it might surprise people that tied for third for the lead in sacks on the 49ers defense last year was Dion Jordan picked up off the scrap heap before the season started, played some interior snaps, played a lot on the edge in place of Ford and Bosa, and he actually played all right. He actually played a lot better than I expected. Ended up with three sacks on the year. Uh, I'll give him a solid C grade there. Four and a half tackles for loss. And when it comes to the pass rush grade for the 49ers defense, most of the best grades for pass rushers were, you know, safeties and linebackers. Fred Warner and Jaquasi Tartan, uh, Quan Alexander, Aziz Alshair, Jimmy Ward, then Nick Bosa in his one game, then Kwan Williams, uh, all of that before you actually start to get to some defensive linemen but um Deion Jordan did all right for himself 13 pressures three sacks he had some hurries eight hurries and some stops behind the line and just you know was a nice rotational player and someone that I think uh, the 49ers probably would like to have back at a very cheap number and see if he can replicate that and, and be somebody who's involved in the rotation or at least competes for that spot in camp Although ideally, there's much fewer opportunities for someone like Deion Jordan to break into the lineup next year. Tied with Deion Jordan for the third most sacks on the team was DJ Jones, the nose tackle, three sacks, 
He had seven tackles for loss. I really like DJ Jones. He's an underrated player for the 49ers defense. His problem has been staying healthy, and he was out for the playoff run last year and then uh, didn't end up finishing the season healthy this year either. And that's a troubling trend for DJ Jones, who's proven to be a really good one technique, a really good nose tackle type of player because he's one of the few really stout interior run defenders the 49ers have but he has enough juice to penetrate some gaps and create some havoc behind the line of scrimmage as well and even get after the quarterback a little bit he had 13 total pressures last year three sacks 11 hurries um 12 stops according to pro football focus and and stops at pff are similar to like a tackle for a loss but maybe you make a tackle beyond the line of scrimmage that doesn't show up in box scores normally but you you know, you ruin the defense, you ruin the offensive play. Essentially, that's what a stop is. It's like it was a tackle that constitutes a quote unquote failure for the offense, which is why I like to cross reference things with pro football focus, because tackles for loss, you know, it's a cool stat, but sometimes guys make really big plays and the offense gained an inch. So it's not a tackle for loss. It just shows up as a tackle, but it was a really big play. So that's why I like the stop metric stops is a big one. Who had the most stops on the 49ers? defense last year of course it was none other than Fred Warner with 40 stops Dre Greenlaw next with 31 then Kerry Hyder with 31 and Eric Armstead with 29 fifth on the 49ers defense in stops was rookie first rounder Javon Kinlaw we'll get to him in one second the grade for DJ Jones what kind of grade do you give DJ Jones for the season he had I want to give him a high grade because I think he's impactful but the injuries I'm going to give him a B minus as well. So B minus for DJ Jones for, am I being kinder with my grades today? I feel like I was a little bit harsher on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know. B minus for DJ Jones for his 2020 season. Javon Kinlaw is a really difficult one. I don't know what to think about Javon Kinlaw and the season he had for the 49ers as a rookie. I mean, number one, he was a rookie and that was pretty clear. He's, he's a raw player and uh, he's super talented, and he will make some flash plays where you're like, wow, look out. If he starts doing that consistency, the NFC West offenses are in trouble because uh, the interception, and in fact, it's funny. So looking at pro football focuses grades, and you have your overall defense grade, you have your run defense grade, your tackling grade, your pass rush grade, and your coverage grade. Of all those five grades, Javon Kinlock grades out best in coverage. So and maybe he dropped back like one or two times. It says here he had one coverage snap on the season and he had that interception, but he got his hands up and batted down a bunch of balls. So he affected the game maybe more than what his stat line looks like, although he did have the third most pressures on the 49ers defense, even though it's a cavernous drop off from number two to number three. 19 total pressures on the season as a rookie for Javon Kinlaw. Uh, He had one and a half sacks. Three quarterback hits, 14 hurries in those 20 stops. So that was Javon Kinlaw's season statistically, but you really had to just watch him play, and it was uh, enlightening to see what a raw rookie looked like in the NFL because there were plays where he would be, you know, have bad leverage, be stood up, be completely rooted out of the play, and, you know, give up a massive hole on the inside as a run defender. And then there would be a play where he gets across the face of a, of a lineman that he has no business beating to a spot because he's so much bigger and stronger than that player and somehow gets there and makes a play or uh, shows a really quick arm over move and swim move and gets an insta sack or just beats 
an offensive lineman extremely badly makes the running back go another direction or or pressures the quarterback or something like that. And there were some really high-end flash plays from Javon Kinlon. You can see the talent. You can see why he was a mid-first-round type of player. But there were so many raw plays as well and, and you know, getting taken up field on run plays and getting trapped and, and you know, bad leverage and so many things that he needs to clean up. So Javon Kinlaw is absolutely going to be a work in progress. I want to give him a, a C for his rookie season because I was actually expecting more. I was hoping for more when you have a defensive lineman that's drafted that high and he shows the traits. You can see it. Just need to see more consistency now. And then now you see him injured and he had some minor surgery in the offseason. Hopefully he comes back from that 100% and uh, is ready to go next year and takes a big jump mentally and technique-wise in year two, and he could be a real force in the NFL. But he does have a long way to go. There were flash plays, but uh, overall, I don't think he was that good versus his draft position, let's put it that way, in 2020. Kevin Givens, my guy Kevin Givens. I really like Kevin Givens. He's not a superstar player or anything like that. He's kind of got the body of a nose tackle, but he's not 320 pounds either, so... Uh, He has to use leverage and he has to use effort and he can penetrate some gaps. But I like Kevin Givens as a rotational guy and interior defensive tackle. And uh, I thought he had a nice season. I think he gets a a C plus grade for what he is on a rookie contract. And he's one of those players that you really need to build throughout the roster and you give him a chance and he's depth and he produces and, and plays pretty well. And I I do think there's one thing that's clear here, by the way, and I think the next guy here, the last one I'll talk about is Jordan Willis. And I I wasn't really super into the Jordan Willis trade at the deadline. They didn't give a ton up for the former Kansas State and former Bengal defensive end. But he had two and a half sacks in those seven games, uh, a few tackles for loss, and he made a few plays. And I think it's one thing we're seeing about Chris Kosarek's wide nine defensive line. And I think it's really important that it helps players like Jordan Willis and Deion Jordan and Kerry Hyder, who, and Kerry Hyder, by the way, had a really nice season last time he played with Chris Kosarek and played in that wide nine and didn't have a lot of statistics in the years in between. And I think that's pretty key that this wide nine front can really give players an angle and give defensive linemen the opportunity to maybe make some more plays and get the backfield a little more often than they might in some other schemes where they're asked to two gap and do more and, and maybe have a more responsibilities on a given play. And I think that's one of the genius things about the wide nine front and the way that Chris Kosarek coaches them up and the genius about Robert Sala's defense is he want He wants guys to play violent and fast, and he wants things to be simple in that regard. And I think it shows for some of these players to be able to put up some numbers and be able to impact a game like Kevin Givens and Kerry Hyder and Jordan Willis and Deion Jordan, even though they were players that, you know, nobody, no teams around the league were really beating down their door to give them jobs at some point before they joined the 49ers. So I'll give Jordan Willis... Uh, see, uh, you know, he was fine and he was okay for those seven games that he was with the 49ers. There was no real catastrophes on the defensive line, I don't think. So in that regard, I think you got to give Robert Saul an A and you got to give Chris Kosarek an A for the coaching job they did. And what really hurt the 49ers was the step back from, you know, a star player like DeForest Buckner and losing essentially 
your starting defensive ends and your two best pass rushers on the outside in Nick Bosa and D Ford all season long. Okay, coming up next, I will field a couple of questions and also talk about uh, how the 49ers should attack the defensive line in the offseason. I know the football season is over, but that doesn't mean there is a lack of things to bet on and win money with at Bet Online, including football. Football futures, NFL draft, college futures, where certain players will be traded. I'm seeing Wentz. I'm seeing Deshaun Watson odds. NHL and NBA seasons are in full swing. Major League Baseball coming back. March Madness just weeks away. A ton of table games, casino stuff, and betting on TV shows even. The ways to win money are endless at BetOnline. Real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. Go to betonline.ag right now. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Poor Solomon Thomas. I kept talking about the players that the 49ers really missed last season, and Solomon Thomas was out. Uh, as long as Nick Bosa was out, but I didn't really talk about the 49ers missing him on defense. And I like Solomon Thomas. I like the way he plays. He gives effort. I like the person, but obviously, you know, a, a big bust for being the number three overall pick in the draft. He was playing at a, a what, a $7 million a year salary last year. And he's a free agent, and I don't see the 49ers making a big effort to bring him back, but there's not going to be a big market for Solomon Thomas coming off an ACL. So maybe he ends up back with the 49ers just because of familiarity, just because of the need uh, for, of a player who can play on the edge and can play on the inside. And that's, you know, similarly to Eric Armstead, I want to see Solomon Thomas rushing more from the inside than from the outside on passing downs. And, you know, he can set the edge a little bit and be a, a run defender. On the end, in base as a defensive end. So the 49ers, if he comes back cheap, they might want to bring him back. But he obviously is not going to be you know, their first priority to bring back as a free agent. Ronald Blair's an interesting one. Missed all of last season. They had hoped they were going to get him back from an ACL the year before. I don't know what to expect from him. I would assume you're able to bring him back for the league minimum unless Robert Sala tries to steal him away. If he is actually healthy next year and is able to play, because I think a lot of people in the building at in Santa Clara at Levi Stadium were big fans of Ronald Blair's and he was essentially going to be the role that Kerry Hyder ended up having and Kerry Hyder ended up playing you know Kerry Hyder was supposed to play what 10% of the snaps last year he ended up playing nearly 70% of the 49ers defensive snaps 69.6% of the snaps he was playing on a 1.5 million dollar salary and I think the 49ers obviously would love to have him back at that number. Do they have to pay him a little bit more retroactively because of the season he had? The problem is you can't pay him for his production last year because you don't expect him to play 70% of the snaps again. That should not be the plan. So Kerry Hyder becomes a very difficult one because if you're Kerry Hyder's agent, you would argue that he deserves a lot more money. And if you're the 49ers, you're, you're saying, yeah, but we don't expect him and don't really even want him to play that much. But the 49ers need sort of that safety net at defensive end just in case they aren't able to really add a high-end talent at the position in free agency or in the draft. Or maybe that rookie is just not quite ready to contribute that they do draft in April. So Kerry Hyder's a tough one. I think he would be at the top of the list of all of these defensive linemen to bring back 
but it gets a little bit dicey. And I think for Kerry Hyder, it's going to be hard for him to find a lot of money on the free agent market, especially this offseason with the cap dropping. So to me, stick with the guy who's gotten you success as a coach in defensive line coach Chris Kosarek and stay with the 49ers. I think they'll be able to make that work. And if he doesn't end up in San Francisco, my bet is he ends up in New York with the Jets because they need edge rushers. Ezekiel Ansa, unfortunately, the injuries continued to mount with him, and uh, he didn't end up panning out for the 49ers. I don't think they're going to be trying hard to bring him back. Deion Jordan, I think, showed enough and played 36% of the snaps, surprisingly, for the 49ers last year, making the veteran minimum $900,000. So I think they'll try to bring him back for cheap once again, and I think they should be able to do that. So the 49ers should be able to form some sort of depth on the defensive line next year and get Nick Bosa back at 100%. The question is, D. Ford, likely cut, who's going to play that role as at least a third down speedier edge rusher. That's the key. And I think they might have to look to the draft for that player. Uh, DJ Jones, also a free agent and the 49ers probably have him pretty high on the list of players they would like to bring back because he's been so good as that defensive tackle, as that nose and an interior presence for the 49ers defense. Uh, Played 40% of the snaps last year. Nose tackles are sort of the fullback of the defense where you know, it's it's really helpful to have them on those few plays you need them, but they only play about half the time or less. So how much can you really afford to pay that player? Again, another guy that maybe Robert Sala would try to steal away from the 49ers. And the 49ers, you know, if they're bringing back Kerry Hyder and they're bringing back Trent Williams and they're bringing back one of their cornerbacks, they might not be able to outbid some other teams with a little bit of deeper pockets like the Jets this offseason. So DJ Jones, if he does go, that becomes a really sneaky need for the 49ers in the draft is finding a stout interior defensive lineman that can play nose and also disrupt and and get up field a little bit. Uh, but the one thing about defensive tackles in the NFL is there is a lot of big bodies that uh, are available. It's, some, it's sort of like wide receiver in the NFL where there's so many guys, and if you need someone to just play 40% of the snaps, you can probably find that in the bargain bin in the NFL, just like finding you know a number four wide receiver. But by God, if the 49ers draft another tweener defensive end slash defensive tackle, I'm going to pull my hair out on draft day. They need an infusion of speed off the edge. They need someone to complement Bosa and Armstead and Kinlaw and someone that on third down can chase down someone like Kyler Murray and contain the multitude of athletic quarterbacks in the NFL. I want to go to Extra Big, who says, let me know when you're done trying to trade Jimmy so I can once again enjoy my morning commute. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening, Extra Big, and thank you for the comment. And look, I'm sorry, man, that's the direction this offseason is taking. Uh, If Blame the 49ers because they're trying to trade Jimmy harder than I am. Apparently, they're on the phone with every team that's got a veteran quarterback that's listening to offers, according to reports. So I've got to report what's going on, got to talk about what's going on. And if the 49ers do have an opportunity to upgrade the most important position in football, I think they should absolutely be looking into it. And when you have a, a fancy name like Deshaun Watson on the market, it just gets people excited. It gets me excited, and it's fun, I think, to talk about. But I think I did pretty good today not talking too much about quarterbacks. How about this for talking about quarterbacks? What's going on with Russell Wilson, who is a weirdo, by the way, and the Seattle Seahawks? Russell Wilson is frustrated by getting hit too much and wants more say in the Seattle Seahawks moves. That sounds familiar. Sounds like something's going on 
in Houston right now. And then there are reports that the Seahawks are now reportedly not happy that Russell Wilson was taking his frustrations public. No way Russell Wilson's going to get traded, but I guess crazier things have happened. I don't know. You can't trade Russell Wilson. What's even going on here? Like fighting in the public? What? It doesn't make a lot of sense for the Seahawks to leak that or for Russell Wilson to leak that. Uh, either side, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't really help out uh, their their team and their cause at all. But uh, Russell Wilson is really weird and his you know arrangement with Sierra and and their marriage and uh, this what was the I want to oh man I can't find it now there was a GQ article uh and I I didn't read the whole article uh you probably would not be surprised that I don't read GQ but uh there was a thing where he talked about uh he and Sierra every day go through a list uh or every week go through a list of 50 things about the ways that they loved each other or, or something. And it was even more cringy than what I just said. I, I can't even fathom how, uh, how odd it felt just reading that one sentence, that one quote from Russell Wilson about his, his home life. So I think we'll leave that home life there. It's not something I need to really get into or know about or, or talk about because it has no bearing really on anything except for Russell Wilson, the more you learn about him. He's just a, there's a little bit of an odd, there's, there's something very strange about Russell Wilson. Could he be gone? Could he no longer be in the NFC West? Could the Seattle Seahawks trade Russell Wilson? No, probably not. But anyway, that's the drama in Seattle. And as a 49ers fan, you love to see it, right? Let's finish with this one. Adam says, please help me with this. Who is your favorite non-49ers quarterback of all time? Mine has to be Brett Favre. Uh, Adam, no, I hated Brett Favre when I was a kid. No, how could you like Brett Favre? How could you like the guy that was on a team that beat the 49ers in the playoffs? You, Troy Aikman, no. Brett Favre, no. You know what I liked? I mean, it's hard because when you grow up a 49ers fan in the 80s or the 90s, you got Joe Montana, then you got Steve Young. How could you like anybody else? It's like, this is the best. This is the gold standard. Why would I screw with any other quarterbacks, right? But I think Randall Cunningham might be that guy growing up. He was really fun to watch. He was a fun guy to play on the early Madden games, too. I remember you could run around, and he had this cannon of an arm, and you could chuck it deep. So uh, I'll, I'll give you Randall Cunningham. How about that? But really, it was Montana, Young, and nobody else. Now, you want to talk about running backs. Barry Sanders was my guy. Every Detroit Lions game was must-see TV on a Sunday morning, and it didn't matter who they were playing. It didn't matter if the Lions were good, and usually they weren't. Barry Sanders, by far, was my favorite non-49er to watch growing up. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for all the questions. Keep them coming. Going to hit a few more tomorrow. Going to sneak one more episode in Friday. And I think I have a guest lined up. Don't want to say the name yet in case it falls through. But whatever's going on with the 49ers, strangely quiet last maybe 48 hours. Feel like there's something that's about to blow up around the NFL. If it does happen, we'll get to it tomorrow right here. Locked on 49ers. This episode brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launched this month at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launched January 18th, and you can see it exclusively at BlueNile.com.